Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Dallas, your topic today is called When to Take Advice. Thanks, Michael. This has uh, been a, a very long work in progress for me, this concept of taking advice for, for a number of reasons. Um, I've always been a contrarian and always been never wanted to actually do what I was told. Um, and then obviously in the last 10 years in my work as a financial advisor, the, the hint is in the name, a big part of what you're doing is, is giving people advice. Mm. And then I think there's also a component where, uh, and we've touched on this before, as, as I get uh, further into my career and, and more experience, you start to realize that there are limits to there are limits to how much we can know about someone's situation and what is going to be best for them. And mm. so it's actually a really, I read a really interesting book uh, recently called Wild Problems and it talks about some of the biggest biggest issues or biggest decisions to make in your life and the fact that they are sort of um, not made or unable to be made using standard economic metrics. You know, for example, who do I marry? You know, who, where do I live? Mm. You know, what do I do for a career? We can take advice in, in some of these situations, but sometimes the advice that you get is actually not only is it not useful, it can be actively harmful. And so mm. I spent a lot of time thinking about this, as I often do, staring off into space um, just recently about when, when to think for yourself and when to take advice. And I've got a couple of, uh, a couple, three actually really good examples um, to, to touch on here. Um, so the first one is that, uh, and feel free to jump in and interrupt me anytime, but the first one is for our, our oldest um, child, Winston. We, we had him at daycare and then we moved him into a kindy. Now, we, uh, the, the kindy that we sent him to ultimately wasn't, wasn't a good fit for him after you know, mm. three months we tried. And what we found was, and we only realized in hindsight, we'd just sort of gone along with, we talked to a couple of people. They said, oh, this is a good kindy. Oh, yeah, great. We'll send our kid there. After three months, we realized we were sort of a bit annoyed at ourselves because we know, obviously, as you, as you do with your kid, we, we know him better than anyone. As soon as I walked into that kindy in the first day, it was way too loud. It was way too full on. There was kids everywhere. Mm. It was a bit chaotic. Some kids thrive in that environment. Mm. He, he didn't. He didn't like it. Mm. And I should have known that. And, and so it was kind of those things where you go, that's an example for me of where I've taken advice. We've raised the issue, oh, we're going to send him to kindy. Someone has said really well-meaning, hey, my kid goes to this kindy. They love it. You should mm. go there. And our instinct is to go, okay, great. That's, that's an easy decision to make. Mm. Someone's told me that. I'll go and do it. So we're sending that kindy. Now, now we're going back through the process of where will we send him to kindy mm. uh, next year. And, and we're now approaching it with a much different attitude, which is that thing of, okay, let's, let's start with the end in mind. We know him. We know what we're trying to achieve for him. We know what he will suit and won't suit. Let's now go and try and find something that fits in with that rather than go and seek advice out. So we're still seeking advice. We're still asking people about their experiences at these places, but you're asking them more detailed questions to get the information that, that you need rather than asking for 
straight out advice. Mm. And the same thing uh, is happening at the moment with our with our with our house. We bought a house uh, as long term listeners to the podcast will know. We bought a house about nine months ago. Uh, went and had looked at it. Yep. Okay. Great. Bought it, and now nine months on, we've gone. Oh, it's actually not a great fit for us at this stage of our life with mm. our with our kids. If anyone's listening to this and they and they and they want to buy a house for a bargain price in in sunny old towns, well, you know, feel free to look on realestate dot com because it's relative. It, it would be really cheap relative to Sydney or Melbourne, any of those sorts of things. But it's again an example where we we looked. We were looking at something that. Only we could know what we actually really wanted in a house mm. and what we're looking for and what's going to be important to us and what's not important to us. And yet it's sort of easier sometimes to just go, oh, well, this person knows about houses. They've said it's a good mm. house. I should just, yeah, I'll just go along with their advice. And so mm. th- there are times where what we actually needed to do in both those situations, is we needed to spend more time and energy thinking for ourselves and less time taking advice. Mm. So that's a situation where you know that's the downside of taking advice. The last example I've got here is the um, is when to take advice. I, I took my car in for a service a little while ago um, to a mechanic that um, Nicholas family has been using for thirty years. Very trustworthy, very reliable. Yeah, you know, they've I've been using them for six, seven years. They do a fantastic job. Uh, they they ring me, yeah, three hours later and say, "Yep, we've serviced the car. We've found." And I, this is one of those ones where I'm not mechanical at all. We found a thing on your power steer. I can't even remember what it was. It was a, it was a link on your thing. We've worked out, you know, how this, and he's, you know, you know how mechanics do this. And he's telling me this is everything that's wrong with it. I've thought about this. I've tried to do this option. And I'm just thinking, mate, just just take care of it. So he's going, mm. okay, we've, we've welded up. It, it didn't cost any money or anything like that. It was just mm. a thing that if at that point in time I would have gone, no, 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 I'm going to decide what I'm going to do about the power steering link in my car, that would have been absolute madness because mm. that was a perfect time when I should be taking advice. Mm. He's the expert. I trust him completely. I, I know he's going to do the right thing by me and I just want the car fixed. So mm. those three examples to me were uh, got me thinking about some, give me some clarity on when things to look for as to whether you should or shouldn't take advice. So mm. these were these were the three sort of gates that I came up with, is that you should definitely be taking advice uh, if, if you meet the, the, the following criteria. Number one, if you have less expertise than the person that, you, that you're, you're talking mm. to. So in the example there of the mechanic, he's got way more expertise than me because I know mm. nothing about cars. So that's a situation to take advice. When I'm talking about my own child with someone else who has their child, they don't know. They don't know my kid. They mm. they know a kid, but they don't have more expertise than me in that situation. So that's a situation where maybe don't take advice. We'll, we'll be a bit more discerning about that. The second criteria is be you don't have any extra information. So again, when he looks at the he looks at the power steering thing in the car. I didn't even notice it. It wasn't like I knew something about the way that that performed or handled or sounded mm. or anything like that that he didn't know. I didn't didn't hadn't didn't have any extra information about it at all. So my input into that, or my extra knowledge and my extra information, isn't going to be useful at all. Mm. And then the third sort of criteria is that uh, if if how you feel about it doesn't matter, and so. They're the examples I use there again of the power steering versus the house thing. How you feel about your house or how you feel in your house or what your emotional experience is of living mm. in that house 
that is to some degree one of the most important things about that decision. Whereas how you feel about your power steering on your car doesn't matter. That's just a, it's mm. just a physics problem. It doesn't matter how you feel about whether it should be fixed or not fixed. It's just a black and white thing. So that is a very long-winded way, and, and mm. I'll tie it back into how that actually relates to financial planning. But does that sort of make sense as a bit of a rant that I've just gone on there? No, it does. And, and look, if I could add um, 1B, so the point that you said uh, for point one, yep. uh, was I think it was if, the, if, if you have less expertise, yep. the, the part that I'd add... And if you don't ever want yes, yeah. to take the time <laughs> yes, yeah, to and to energy that. to have that expertise. So Absolutely. a lot of our clients, um, in fact, probably the best fit clients that we have, yep. um, we say are experts in their own field. Yep. Now, um, that means they're, they're making a lot of money out of being a great plumber, yep. or a great builder, yep. um, yeah, a yep. great management consultant. Yep. Whatever that, whatever, whatever that is, yep. a great dentist, yep. um, cattle farmer, anything, cattle farmer, engineer, yep. whatever. Um, so, so they don't have the, they don't, they don't have the want, yep. or and or the energy yep. to, to, to become skilled that. in what we do. Yes, just as we don't have the want or energy to become skilled in what they do. Yeah. Um, so, so look, that's a great, that's a, that's a, that, that to me is is is. Uh, an addition part one yep yep and uh, the the other thing that i'd add to that as an as an over an, an overlay for all of that um what springs to mind is that is that you should it should be a sliding scale you should be taking advice when the stakes are really high yep so yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. you yeah. know the examples Searching that you used yeah the um uh, the the kidney scenario and the house scenario, the stakes are higher than the and your the, the power steering on your car yeah, yeah. because um, yeah well that's that's a great example because yeah. if if the if the mechanic had said hey you need my advice is you need to go and buy a forty thousand dollar new car then yeah. all of a sudden the stakes are higher so the then, I, are, yeah. then I might go and get a second opinion or I might yeah. do some research or I might actually put more energy into that. Whereas when the stakes are relatively low, it's it's just mm. easy to go okay whatever's whatever's easy. You, mm. you just don't have to think too much about it. You yep. just do do whatever's easiest. So yeah, I think cause, so. I guess that's why I break it down to those three areas. Trying to think about as it relates to us giving clients advice and and when when to be more or less confident about whether our advice is right. And so um, th there are some areas of retirement planning or financial planning where we have more expertise you know it's just by its mm. nature we do this day in day out so um where we have far more expertise is in things like this is superannuation legislation it, it, it just is i know mm. this stuff like the background i do mm. it day in day out i know what the rules are you know we're talking about historical long-term average returns of different asset classes i just i just know more about mm. this than my clients so if we're talking about that i can be 100 percent confident that Maybe not 100, but I can be very, very, very confident that I have far more expertise than them in mm. that area because that's that's what I do, and I know that they wouldn't have, as you say, wouldn't have had the the desire to to spend that time and energy thinking about mm. it. So, if we're thinking about something or talking about something that is a, um, yeah, it's an area where I am the expert. That's that's when I should be more confident about my advice. Mm. If the, the minute we get into, and we've had this before with with different clients where once clients go hey what do you think about this 
um, my mates come to me with this pre-IPO investment option, you know, investment opportunity, or my bank has asked whether I should refinance with this. We're getting into the limits there of what I'm very comfortable, very mm. confident that I have expertise in. So you know, we have to be aware of what is the limits of our of our knowledge. And the same thing applies with people listening. to This is that when you're taking advice from someone, if they're an expert in every area, they're an expert in no area. Mm. Someone who tells you this is this is how the superannuation rules work and this is what you should do about that specky mining company mm. and also this is how you should you know approach your marriage and this is what you should eat to be healthy and this is how you should exercise you go mm. if they're saying everything with the same level of confidence they probably don't actually know anything about it and we all know some of those people oh yeah yeah and uh <laughs> I, I always i always say those people are half right about everything <laughs> oh, <they're laughs> exactly right yeah. <laughs> yeah just just enough to be dangerous just enough yeah. to sound good and to go oh that's yeah you sounded really confident the way yeah. you said that so mm. Uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong with having strong opinions. I, no. my, one of my favourite sayings about myself is that I have strong opinions loosely held. So I go, <laughs> you should do this, and I go, but just to clarify, I don't actually. Yeah. I'm not too attached to that idea. Yeah. So, that's that's to me that that expertise there is be careful about what is it that I'm actually getting advice about, and is this mm. person an expert in in that specific thing? Mm. Yeah, you know, the, the part of having extra information. Yeah, you know, we we're mindful of not. Um, jumping to conclusions with with new clients who come in, where you you, know, you get information in advance, and it's sometimes and it's a it's a constant battle against your own overconfidence and, and hubris. Mm. Where you go, I've had five hundred of these meetings like this. Mm. There's a lot of pattern recognition. There's a lot of I've seen a lot of these, but often you you, you force yourself to dig a bit deeper and to really ask a lot more questions. Mm. You can get a lot more information out of people and, and you think, well, if I hadn't dug into that and, and found out that extra bit of information that I oh, will, you know, I, I I find that that's a thing that is is um, often pays dividends to, to make sure that do I, do I have, have I done what I need to do to get the extra information from this person? And again, conversely, for the person who's receiving advice, if they're going, this person's saying this really confidently to me, but they haven't even asked me about X, Y, Z. Well, I know that I've got this other information mm. that they don't have, and so they can't possibly be giving me great advice without, you know, if, if it's like an iceberg where they can see the top bit, but they can't see the nine tens that's underwater, it's probably mm. not going to be good advice. Mm. So, and then that that third bit about how you feel about it doesn't doesn't matter. Is that there's a lot of advice where uh, as a, going back to that wild problems um, theory of if you're looking at a problem where you go, it's just black and white, I just want the power steering to work, it doesn't matter how I feel about that. It doesn't have any bearing on that. Um, we, we're really mindful of this and we've talked about this before where what we're really good at is, is financial planning and giving people advice about money. Mm -hmm. now, when it comes to life coaching or your marriage or your kids or, you know, how to, you know, live a fulfilling retirement all the rest of it we know that those are issues that need to be solved and we know that that's a thing that people need to work through but mm. it's probably not we're not positioned to to really dig into those things because how they feel about that really matters whereas mm. someone who who says to me yeah well i don't i don't like superannuation or i don't like shares i go it that doesn't matter it doesn't matter mm. how you feel about that that is just that is black and white. That's not about how you feel. But if you say, "I, you know, I really want to 
continue to work throughout my retirement. That gives me a great sense of purpose. Well, that's, that's really important for you to know and for you to think about how you feel about those things. And what I think about it matters a lot less. Mm. Does that sort of make any sense at all? It does. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always scared when I go, I've, th- I've thought a lot about this. I've got these three rules of thumb and then I'm going to come in, you're going to blow it out of the water and go, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I've, uh, I've added all I can add. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. For more information and resources, visit the Money Over 50 website, mo50.com.au. We look forward to catching up again soon.